Welcome to the Unplanned Pause. This is a podcast about two friends' journey into the land of infertility. I'm Anne-Marie. And I'm Natasha. And we're both navigating our personal path to pregnancy and talking our way through it at the same time. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 10 of the Unplanned Pause. So today we're going to talk about um, IVF and Tasha is going to talk us through the IVF process. Um, So firstly, we've got really loads of things to update you on uh, since our last episode, quite a lot has has happened. Um, And then we're going to move on to kind of like the interview segment of of, uh, this week is actually going to be with the two of us. (laughs) So how are you, Tash? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It is funny, isn't it, how I remember sitting here maybe a couple of weeks ago, we really felt like we didn't have that much to update on and now things have moved pretty quickly, I would say. Yeah, we've got Um, so much to say that we have to bump our guest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also, you know, like I'm not taking antihistamines at the moment and... um, I'm also very sneezy, so I apologise if I, I have a really loud sneeze. Like my nose has actually got an extra line because um, because I sneeze so much. Um, <laughs> it's like a permanent line, I know. And the reason I'm not taking antihistamines is because I'm in the two-week wait. And um, apparently the embryo releases um, histamine when it implants. So I'm just like, fingers crossed. I tell you what, Annie, I feel like I'm doing so much for this um, bloody child that I, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to repay me back in some way. When it, <laughs> when it like... Oh, you know something funny, Tash? I remember during my year of desperation um, when I was trying to conceive um, mm-hmm. naively uh, that I read online that you shouldn't take antihistamines around the time of ovulation because it dries you up. And like yeah. literally, that would be the time any allergies I had would play up, and I'd be like, I cannot oh, take one. I <laughs> now I realise that was all futile. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but it's also like, um, you know, like trust me to to get a cat and be allergic to my cat. Yeah, and yeah. then you know, <laughs> it's like the only person <laughs> that would get a pet that they're allergic to. So how was yeah, the week? That's been, that was my week, really. Okay, okay. <laughs> but to be honest. Um, I, you know, it's been full of work and just normal shit. Like, I haven't really seen that many people. Um, it's been really great and miserable. Mm. And I am just thinking about, um, well, so what we've done is we have rented a little house in Italy. Mm-hmm. And um, in the Chianti Hills for August. Lovely. So if August hits up, um, I'm going to just go to Italy, eat gelato, um, and, you know, sunbathe and work, of course. Sounds, sounds lovely. <laughs> but gelato, gelato is coming first. <laughs> so we have a backup plan. <laughs> sounds lovely. Yeah. How do we been running? Uh, yeah, my week has been really uh, up and down. Um, it's been quite long, actually. It started off with a holiday. I was down in Pool. Mm. pool. My um, in-laws have a little flat down there. So uh I was there until Monday evening and um the weather was gorgeous it was really nice nice break it was actually so that was my first break since lockdown obviously um it was really nice to spend a few days away from my flat um and it was quite refreshing 
Yeah, but then, um, I mean, do I, am I just getting straight into the big news? Yes, I think okay, so. Go okay. for it. Fine. So for our uh, regular listeners, you will know in, in our last episode, I said that um, by the time today came, I would likely have had Alex's surgical sperm removal. Uh, and that did happen. It happened on Wednesday. So, you know, I, I know I'm always complaining, but like, I just think nothing straightforward ever happens for me. Um, this really kind mm-hmm. consultant that we had met in guys at the beginning of July had called us up uh, last week to say, look, we've put you on the list for Wednesday, the 23rd. It may or may not happen on that day. Someone will call you on Monday. So I'm just going to tell you the long version, by the way. Tash because like it's our yeah, podcast and I can yeah this yeah. is this is our episode honey this is about us so okay you, okay <laughs> you string it out you've got I'll indulge yeah thanks <laughs> so basically uh when it came to Monday we went on our little holiday and when it came to Monday at four o'clock we hadn't heard anything and you know the op was on Wednesday and I think like you know we've talked a lot about how nutrition is so important and everything and honestly like we had been on this holiday and had like literally green smoothies nothing oh, to drink like you know we've been like so so careful about you know we didn't go out to eat or anything and, and um, you, you get all the green bits in your teeth don't you yes yes and yes. Again, <laughs> I left over green stringy ginger and you're like uh. <laughs> that's having maybe an IVF isn't it it's a clear, <laughs> distant green smoothies <laughs> such, a, such a clear sign yeah and like you know just uh for people who don't listen and don't know people who listen and don't know Alex and I we just love a drink and we love going out for food and you know anyway so it was a bit of a sacrifice so on the way home when we still hadn't heard from the hospital I was a bit disappointed because I was like really maybe we could have had like you know a little bit more of a relaxed weekend or whatever um anyway so when I call them at four o'clock um the person who answered the phone said look it's really unusual that this will be booked in in such a way um I don't know if that's going to go ahead on Wednesday I've never heard of it being booked in this way oh my goodness oh Tash honestly she was like usually it will come from urology so and I was like okay well listen please get someone to call me back that knows you know and to be fair then they did call back um later that evening around half five I don't um, know how you did you keep your shit like I would have just told them that it's going ahead well I'd be like sorry <laughs> you know what's going <laughs> so it's still going ahead <laughs> I have this I have this really weird superstition right where I'm like I even feel it when I go to the hospital like oh you, if I do everything right maybe things will work out for me you know so I was like okay mm. no I, I, I you know I'm going to be really polite to this woman I think it's supposed to happen someone has told yeah. me what happened so I just was like no I, I think this is happening but you get someone to call me back because someone else will know you don't know um yeah you find that along the way don't you like it's not necessarily that it's cancelled or like yeah. last time you were talking about your booking had gone missing but actually it hadn't yeah exactly they, they might cancel the surgery but they actually won't you know it's just dealing with different people in the NHS yeah I think so and I think I was just like okay I now we were in the car and I literally was like so tense for like an hour and a half I just sat like oh. still I didn't really say anything to Alex I was just like that's oh, fine so they rang back they rang him and um talked him through everything and then said it would be 12 o'clock on Wednesday oh, and God. so yeah so thankfully like I was really grateful that the person who knew then rang him and to be fair then Tash right the next day 
someone mm-hmm. rang him to be like hi um, I'm calling you from the ACU at uh, guys and uh, yeah I have a note here that you wanted to be called about your procedure <laughs> so, <laughs> obviously the person who rang at 5 30 on Monday didn't know about my interjection do you know what I mean so yeah, in the yeah. end we had got two phone calls about it anyway fine then on the Wednesday we made our way in I don't know if I've told you this we always go like two hours early for our appointments just because yeah, I'm insane I get that but Tom won't ever come with me so I have to go by myself okay oh <laughs> so so like he's like if you're going to be ridiculous and go so early you can go <laughs> and then you just text me when like you know <laughs> you're, you're feeling less mad and he'll always turn up no, just on time. <laughs> just on time. Oh, that's so <laughs> well, um, we often drop our uh, dog Ginny off to Alex's friends, Tom and Laura, and they are always like, "What time is your appointment?" And we're like, "Oh, really soon." <laughs> yeah, you just have to look yeah, like, like, yeah, I'm going after my appointment. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why it takes five hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, when we got in, um, so we the guy was like yeah that's fine sit down somewhere and we were sitting for about half an hour because obviously we were really early and um it turns out we were sitting in the wrong place and like one thing that is really good about this whole procedure is I now know what happens when you go for surgery in our in our unit you know and now we know Mm. what to do but um yeah we ended up waiting there for so his appointment his procedure was supposed to be at uh 12 and I don't think it happened he went in until quarter past two yeah it's quite a long time waiting and mm-hmm. you know um I'm sure you know this quite well but they don't really want plus ones at in the hospital at the no. moment because of coronavirus so um they don't really want you there but equally they I had to be there because he was going under general anesthetic um yeah. so just to say I think I had underestimated this procedure and I thought basically that they were going to it's um, called surgical sperm retrieval and for anyone who hasn't listened before Alex has the presence of cystic fibrosis gene in it like he he has um well he has a form of cystic fibrosis that manifests itself in the absence mm-hmm. of the vas deferens which is why we had to have the surgical sperm removal and um I, I, as far as I understood, it was like what they call fine needle aspiration. So I thought, oh, this is a tiny little needle just, you know, going to um, have an extraction on either like of his balls. And I was told the procedure would be about 15 minutes, but it would be general anesthetic. So um, when he went in, Tashi was gone for an hour and a half. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And like, I just honestly was I, oh, I like my mind went everywhere I was like he's actually dead you know they haven't told me yet but he's died (laughs) you know and I I know that sounds crazy now but um yeah it just was you know it's just a really long time I think maybe Mm. it might have been helpful if they had told me um that it was going to be a bit longer I guess the thing is I don't think I had really prepared myself for the fact that Mm. he was having like a I mean relatively serious operation on like a very sensitive area you know and um he I I guess so sorry what happened then was um when they what before he went in they explained that they would use a needle for the extraction and if that wasn't successful or if they didn't get enough they would do a, what's called a biopsy um uh-huh. so that was what took the extra time was that they did the biopsy um and they explained uh-huh. to him before he went under that the sedation that they were providing would last about 45 minutes but they would do extra sedation if they needed the biopsy so okay. um, just before he came back, a nurse came to me and was like, yeah, he's fine. Like, he's fine. And gave me a thumbs up. So I was like, did they get sperm? And she was like, oh, I can't tell you. I'm sorry. 
And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so then they wheeled him in. And like, as soon as he came to, he was like, success, early success, <laughs> positive. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they were like, oh, we can't tell you. You have to wait for the embryologist. Oh, I know. So I was like, okay. Aww, well, they can say. I know. So firstly, I was like, okay great you're alive like number one base I'm really happy my partner's still alive number two was it successful or not and uh probably listeners can tell from my tone that it was a success but um it was really heavily caveated which I wasn't really expecting so when the embryologist came to explain to us she said uh you know we did the two sides and we got a little bit and then we did the the biopsy and we got a little bit and so they said essentially it is good they have retrieved sperm um but they do not know if they will have enough for however many eggs I get so it was a little bit of a I was I think I was expecting like a clearer answer you know to say yes we've got sperm and the answer is yes we did and and I guess did they did they tell you how much it was or no so basically they said that um that they were because they were freezing it straight away the embryologist mm. I, I think I might have asked too many questions because the embryologist said to me look what we're trying to do right now is separate the sperm from the blood and we're trying to now I'm, I don't want to get this wrong because I think people might take me seriously but basically she was saying that in order to freeze them they needed to do that really quickly so to mm-hmm. test the quality would interrupt that step of getting them frozen she was like really what we just want to do is get them in the freezer as safely and as quickly as is possible so mm. we're not going to be able to give you an indication as um as to quality but she did say to me look all I need is one viable sperm and I can make you an embryo so because we're doing yeah. this she's like you know that doesn't really matter and maybe she was telling me I'm focusing too much on the quality but I don't know but I think maybe the quantity is definitely low um mm. but they they just said look we'll just do this again if we need to um they kind of asked some questions about when my egg collection would be, which will hopefully be, I think, like, well, uh, I don't know, maybe six weeks from now. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I felt like we came away with less positivity than we would have hoped. I thought, mm-hmm. of, but, like, isn't this always the way, Tash? It's just, you know, yeah, the next step and the next step. For another, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, the good news it is... Never, it never seems straightforward, does it? No, like it? it doesn't. And I was expecting them to be like, woohoo, it was a successful operation. But they were like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it was successful. We just don't know how successful it was. But, you know, what they did say to me, which is kind of reassuring, was, you know, we can repeat this. He does have sperm. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would say... You know, he's been like in a bit of pain for the last few days. So that happened on Wednesday and today is Saturday. And uh, yeah, I don't know if I want him to repeat it so soon again, you know, but maybe he doesn't have to. So I'm a bit of a catastrophist. I'm thinking about the worst, but maybe it's actually fine. And um, yeah, you know, hooks to Alex. Yeah, I guess it's it's odd isn't it because you well it's not odd but you often think of the I very much think of the IVF process as being all on me yeah yeah and I've never really considered thinking about you know your partner going through something and seeing them go through that that surgery must be really difficult yeah Um, and also Tash like you know we can't forget that it's like the most sensitive part of their body that yeah. you know uh yeah I don't think yeah, I'm no, mentally prepared for that yeah. you know yeah mm. so Annie 
what what would you have done if you hadn't have found sperm? Yes, Natasha, that's a really good question. Um, listening to Andrea's episode um, of uh, the Unplanned Pause, episode nine, uh, where she talked about egg donation, it really gave me so much positivity, as I said in episode nine. And we, Alex and I, have discussed using sperm donor at length, and we've both always been open to it and happy to do it. And But you know what? When I was waiting in the hospital and I kind of was getting a bad vibe because it was going on so long, I was like, you know what? If we get a negative outcome today, we're just going to take a break for a while. I just thought mm-hmm. I, because I, we had agreed, OK, if it comes negative, we'll just start straight away and get donor sperm but I think the impact of the negative negative outcome for me would actually have been too big for me to mentally be able to continue it's a fight like for me I find Mm. all of these things are a fight and you've got to have energy for the fight and now I don't have to think about it but I know actually it makes me be more in awe of Andrea how she just kept on going I was thinking I have no problem with donor I donor sperm at all. I you know, but it's the the concept is fine, but the reality of the next level bad luck for mm-hmm. me was just too much for me to handle, I think. It's but, like you know um, going through that grief process, isn't it? Like we talked about grief. You have to allow yourself some time. Yeah, and I was feeling a bit sorry for myself, to be honest. And I think maybe sometimes just let yourself, you know. So what we would have done if we hadn't found sperm, theoretically, was immediately move on to donor sperm. What we would have done in actual practice is probably take a bit of a break and then move on to donor sperm. Yeah. Um, And it's okay for your plans to change, isn't it? You know, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, I mean, I haven't even discussed this with Alex. I didn't even tell him I made that pact to myself. Mm, (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I and but it does make me think Andrea is an absolute warrior, and and you know all those people out there who, who you know just make their change and get on with it. Yeah, I think yeah. I just would have needed a little bit more time. But yeah, yeah. I think that you, you know, you get these sneak previews into possible negative situations or outcomes, don't you? you yeah. Kind of as you go through each cycle even if that negative outcome doesn't actually happen the waiting for the results can give you like a view or a window into what could possibly be in store and the kind of the the feelings associated with that and they can they can be really overwhelming yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and I and I think like yeah theoretically saying something and actually doing something are two very different things <laughs> you know and and I also I think Annie, like, I remember when when I first talked to you and I remember you saying to me well I just don't think we would do IVF because mm. um, I don't think that we would you know pay the money and I don't think I'd be able to put my body through that um and it's yeah I mean and uh, you know I was kind of similar and you get your it just takes you not you personally but it takes anyone some time to just adjust to you know, the reality of the situation and and well yeah through. when when you're when it comes to making decisions right when your road is going to end if you don't take one path you'll take the path you know yeah. so that's why I think maybe if we had got no sperm we'd have been like 
well, we only have one path now. Do we want a baby? Yes, we do. So I think I probably would be in a very different position maybe right now if we didn't have sperm. Maybe I'd be saying, yeah, we're still plowing ahead. Maybe I would have found that energy from somewhere. But sometimes I think the thing is, when we were going in for that operation and, you know, they had said, the urologist had actually said to Alex, it would be like, you know, digging for oil in Saudi Arabia. He was like, we're going to get so much. But 90% of people get it or 95 and some mm. people don't. But I have fallen into the 1% of people who has azospermia. And within that, I've fallen into the 1% of people who has CF. So I'm always ready to be in the 1% now because, or the 5% or whatever, because, yeah. because it's happened to me before. Why wouldn't it happen again? Yeah. You know, so I think like, as you say, no one wants to do IVF and I can't wait to be out of the IVF club. Do you know what I mean? No, it's, it's a club no one wants to be in. But when it's your only choice, you've got to do it. Or, you know, if you really want to have a baby, I mean, that was the option that was available to me. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think your mindset changes, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, so basically um, we are have a consultation um, on Monday mm-hmm. with um, the private consultant. So it will be in the same clinic. Uh, we're just seeing her privately. So uh, they will have access to the information that they got. And I hope, mm-hmm. she'll, I hope she'll be able to tell me what quantity they got. Because um, I feel like that might be a little bit reassuring, more reassuring for me if I knew how much they got. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it, really. Yeah. Once we ha- we see her on Monday, we should have a better idea as to what our next steps will be. I'm hoping to uh, start IVF then my next period um, in August. So. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, it's all happening. It's all happening. Yeah. Sometimes you, you wait for a really long time. You want stuff to happen. And then when it happens, it's it's good. Mm. But it's never kind of quite what you imagined in your mind. Yeah. Well, what are you, what are your feelings around starting IVF? My feelings about starting IVF are really positive. I really yeah. just want to do it. I've been waiting so long. I've been ready so long. I just yeah. want to get going. But I think I'm still like, you know, a little bit sort of sad about what Alex had to go through and mm-hmm. you know, uh, every every relationship dynamic is different is different, but you know, in ours he is a really strong person who I lean on a lot, um, like mentally and physically and, um, you know, to see him, you know, I just wasn't really expecting that to happen as part of this process. I literally thought it was going to be two little injections and then he was going to be out. No problem. And Mm. I'm not saying that anyone who is going to have this, um, if you're listening and your husband's going to have surgical sperm retrieval, it might actually be absolutely fine. I think the biopsy might be the, the part, the worst part. And also, it's only three days. So like, it's not that long afterwards. Um, I just think I wasn't prepared mentally for it, but yeah, for IVF, I mean, I'm optimistic because I don't know really what's going to happen. So, you know, it's like the way I was optimistic about surgical sperm retrieval last week, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just kind of excited to get going and yeah, that's it really. Yeah. So how about you? You've such a massive update for us. I do. Well, I thought, you know, well, what, one of the things that we were talking about, Annie, wasn't it? Like, was that 
through my update it would be good to just talk about the IVF process itself Mm -hmm. yeah and um just in case there are any listeners right now going through their first IVF um and want to know a little bit more about what actually happens because I remember I remember doing my first IVF and actually I didn't want to know and I didn't google anything okay and I in my mind I had this really like oh my goodness it's gonna be so terrible it's gonna be so painful and like gone on all the forums um and was just I don't know what I was expecting um but um now I realize like I wish I had googled or or, like at least sort of listened to what the procedure (laughs) was going to be and what the process would be because you know um it it just wasn't as bad as in my head why don't we start at the very start you know what what medication do you start with and when do you start and yeah if you can kind of start start from there sure so the first thing that most people do and not every clinic does do this but um is go on to some sort of uh withdrawal medication or some sort of kind of um I was I've been on both I've been on estrogen or um withdrawal medica- medication so the estrogen was called prognova um and the um withdrawal med- medication was called norzoristrin um and essentially what that does is it um really stops you from it, it kind of stops you from getting your period Okay. And there are, there are two reasons that I figured out. I did actually ask directly um why you would you would go on to these um medications that would stop essentially stop your period and then control when you have your period. Mm-hmm. Um and that is the first reason is kind of a practical one I think. Um so the NHS just told me straight out it was because they they are doing scheduling and um they need to kind of put you in sync with the the hospital's scheduling essentially mm-hmm. um and the other reason is because it um when you do have your period it kind of whips everything out properly okay is my understanding so that you're lining then as you go into your air collection and then further on down the line hopefully into your transfer is you know peachy perfect okay um so I, you know, I was kind of, first of all, um, I, no one told me what these these medications were for when I first took them from the NHS. So I got 10 days of Prognova and I could not find anyone else online taking estrogen. Okay. Um, so I um, was a bit freaked out and, and I don't remember, maybe the nurse did, but I don't remember the nurse telling me that like once I'd stopped taking them after 10 days, I would get a period. Okay. So, and it's not actually a period, it's something called a withdrawal, a withdrawal bleed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember freaking out a lot because I was like, well, this is over, <laughs> you know. Oh, like my IVF <laughs> has started. <laughs> and like, with NHS, like nobody answers the phone. So I'm like leaving like five voicemails on their phone, on the uh on the voicemail being like I've got my period it's all over can someone ring me back like it's like fuck it like I failed IVF I failed it that's what one of my cycles gone you know um that's like you know the equivalent of you know five thousand pound private down like the toilet I don't know uh, total overreaction which is why I really wish I'd sort of paid more attention to what the process would be <laughs> 
Um, so I got this withdrawal, they obviously like rang me back the next day. Once I'd totally freaked out and posted on all the forums. Um, and were like, no, it's absolutely fine. You're supposed to get withdrawal bleed for three days. Well, also however long. And everyone's different in that. So some people, you know, stop the pills and they get their withdrawal bleed you know, straight away or a couple of days later. Some people, you know, it takes a little bit longer to get their withdrawal bleed. Um, you know, everybody's di- everybody is different. Um, and then the Northern Restaurant kind of does the same thing. So um, I don't actually know what hormones is in that, but um, yeah, it, it induces your uh, withdrawal bleed. Okay. Um, and that, that basically means you're starting kind of almost like day zero. Um, you can start uh, with your stimming. So your stimming medications are pers- you know, personalized to you. So the medication that you use might be different to the next person and how much you use will be based on um, different criteria such as your AMH. Um, and that is, I'm going to look that up. Um, Can I just ask you a question? Is stimming short for stimulating? Yes. Okay, so it's stimulating what? So you're stimulating your ovaries. Okay. Okay. So um, you're stimulating your ovaries to essentially grow um to produce follicles so normally naturally every month um you might produce one enlarged follicle on one ovary Mm -hmm. Um, and that follicle typically turns into an egg so you know your egg meets sperm and then you get pregnant um but when it comes to IVF what they're trying to do is you actually have generally um in each ovary a number of different follicles that could grow so whilst you have one in a natural cycle um that starts enlarging that's kind of um nature selecting the best follicle okay um but say in each ovary you might have and i there's no normal number right but you might have six to seven in each ovary okay so you might actually have like 14 yeah so essentially when you're stimulating your ovaries you are trying to um, grow those follicles. Okay. And the follicles are not the eggs. They're like the sacs that could or could not contain eggs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's why you're stimulating. And um, you take a kind of a, a number of drugs for that. Um, I had on my first cycle, I had Merifert and I had, um, and I had quite a low dose of that and I took that for about 10 days and I also took another drug called, um, Fermadal and that stops you from ovulating. Um, so the injections, they they were mostly taken through injections, Mm um, and, yeah, the injections just weren't as bad as I thought they were going to be, if I'm honest. Okay. Did um, you give them to yourself or did you get Tom to give them to you? Yeah, definitely got Tom to give them to me. I'm a real worse. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually fine with it all going in and like they're fine. Um, but I couldn't put them in myself, no. Okay. Yeah. 
um I'm sure I'm sure if I gave it a go and really like practiced it I'd be all right um sometimes I see the women on Instagram you know when they like set up their camera that's why I was wondering yeah I just say I think they're amazing yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I don't mind looking at a needle and thinking it's going to give in me. I just don't want to give it to myself. The injections just weren't as bad as I thought they would be. Um, they didn't, they didn't really hurt. It's like having a little scratch, but it's nothing, nothing terrible. They're over okay. pretty quickly. Um, and then they can leave a bruise yeah. though, can't they? Right. Well, like, so I'll come on to this in a bit, but I'm actually on injections now and they are awful. So I'll come on to those ones later, but they are like, I dread them all day, every day. <laughs> so I think it depends on what, what type of injection you're having. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so after, yeah, as you stim, you, you get bigger and bigger. And, um, I was surprised by how large I did get. Um, I felt very, I I didn't feel pain, but I felt um, heavy. Okay. And I did also feel like I looked about five months pregnant. So it's amazing how your body can kind of stretch and your your ovaries can grow in that sense. Um, Yeah, and and it's fascinating, really. And you're you're watching your follicles grow as well. So you have a number of scans. Um, so I remember when my NHS cycle, I had a scan and I think it was day seven and day nine, um, where they count how many follicles growing in each ovary. Mm-hmm. Now I've kind of said pre on previous podcasts that, um, my follicles are a little bit slow growers. So I had a couple, um, but they were just, they're just a little slow. They like to take their time. Um, it's always panicked me. <laughs> so I have quite a few, but they're like, you know, just a bit lazy. Um, so you really want your follicles to be measuring at the end of the process. You want your follicles to be measuring um, kind of somewhere between 16 and 22 millimeters. Oh, okay. And, um, but, you know, on your day seven scan, they're not going to be measuring that much. Mm-hmm. Um but if you've got, you know, your some sort of sevens and eights in there, a little bit like I had, we're calling them a little bit slow. Okay. So you kind of want, by day seven, you we want a couple leading ones that perhaps have reached reached the maximum anyway, which is like mm-hmm. 16, 22. You, you don't, at the same time, you don't want your follicles to be too big. Like you don't want on day seven a 22 because it might grow too big. Mm-hmm. Um. And the reason that they they you kind of want them that size is because they think that the larger follicles are more likely to have a mature egg in them. Okay, I see. So yeah, it's um it's a bit of a numbers game again, and and it's you know it's IVF feels great because you're in a way because you're actually doing something. Like I remember feeling my first IVF very positive, um you know something was happening, um but it's also very nerve-wracking because you're you're going in for these every other day updates and it it's it's still a numbers game so you're you know willing along your follicles to grow and you're trying to you're trying to like be like come on come on little ones um and you never know um right so 
um, I remember after day nine, I think I did some, I took my medications for, I think it was another two days. So I took 11 days of medications and then I waited two days and then I had my egg collection. Okay. Yeah. And how did it go? So in my first cycle, my egg collection went really, I mean, I had a general anesthetic. If you're in hospital, you'll have a general anesthetic. Um, and like get put through into like a proper operating room and everything um and I just love general anesthetic so I thought it was brilliant um the way that they do it in the NHS and, and it's, I don't know if this is the same in every hospital but in my hospital it's kind of weird right so you get into this waiting room and everyone's there but you don't know what time you're going in um and there's lots of people with you there's lots of couples with you that all um, all there for the same thing and they kind of get they kind of cool like you know egg collection group kind of mm. come through this way right and you're you're in this big group and it feels a little bit like being herded <laughs> you know like like yeah. cattle kind of yeah. going into um one big room and then uh, the room is set up with lots of beds and you get your own curtain kind of typical hospital ward essentially mm-hmm. um and you wait your turn and the doctors come around and they ask you um questions like you know have you been taking your medications properly do you have any allergies all that kind of stuff um and then you know they don't tell you when what group you're going to be in or so there's the the group subdivides into smaller groups um and they don't tell you when you know when you're going to be done or anything like that and then essentially you just have to wait and then they um call your name as part and they call other people's names as part of this subgroup so I think I got in there at maybe 9 30 and I was the 11 o'clock group okay um so you're all dressed up in your you know you've got your hair net on you've removed your pants you've got your really attractive kind of gown and everything on mm-hmm. and then you're taken into another waiting room with say five other people and it's so awkward and they're like watching with you're all watching like, there's a tv on there's some magazines and it's like do I speak to this people? Like we're all going through the same <laughs> thing, aren't we? Like we all must be really nervous. Um, and then they make you go and empty your bladder again, and uh, then they t- and then from that room they call you one by one. Okay. And uh, that's when you go walk into you know you walk into essentially the room where they'll give you your they'll administer your general anaesthetic and then off into the operation room. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then and then after the collection, um, so you get your lovely anesthetic, fall asleep, it's lovely, um, and then I think and I can never really remember what happened from there. Like I think I, I woke up in the recovery room, um, and but somehow I remember being back in the ward bed. So I never remember how I get from the recovery room <laughs> to the ward bed, basically. <laughs> and they gave me a little cup of tea and, you know, a sweet corn sandwich. And it was brilliant. I was, honestly, I got a tuna sweet corn sandwich on white bread. And I just, I'm not normally like a tuna sweet corn sandwich girl. But <laughs> this was like the best sandwich I've ever tasted. I don't know why. I just, <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, and then they come around and you have to wait for them to tell you how many eggs you get. Um so yeah, that was that was kind of my first IVF, and I have to say I was quite pleasantly surprised. I didn't really have much pain after my first IVF, mm-hmm. um, and they were freezing all my eggs. So I got 
I got taken, um, I had, I had some injections to take for a week after. Um, and that was just to make sure that my ovaries didn't continue to swell and that I didn't get, um, ovarian hyperstimulation, mm. um, which is where obviously your ovaries swell too much and it could be quite dangerous. Um, so that, that's kind of the process, um, up to egg collection, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, it's, it's quite a long, I'd say that probably takes, yeah, if you're on 10 days worth of, it's, it's sort of like 25 days to get to that point from when you start on your withdrawal meds. Okay. Yeah. And so for you now though, this time you went the whole way through. Yeah. So can you talk us a bit more about what happens after the egg collection if you're doing it all in one go? Yeah, so um, this time was like different. I'm going to tell you, it's it's different. Like I feel like I sailed through my first IVF and mm-hmm. um, I kind of expected the same thing to happen in my second IVF. Um, it, my follicles were really tracking a, a lot further behind. So they doubled my medications Um and they let me, they left me on my medication for a little bit longer. Um, and that really, really took a bit of a toll on me and my, my ovaries. Okay. Um, so after my collection, I just remember, um, feeling like like really terrible cramps, um, and, uh, very bloated, couldn't keep down like I, I didn't want to eat or drink okay. I couldn't I felt very nauseous and I couldn't keep down water um so it was just a bit of a different experience and that's because they had stimmed me quite aggressively towards the end um and had I known had I known that it would be that have have more of an effect on me. I probably would have taken some time off work, um, because, yeah, it was it was a bit tougher this time. I have to say, but I think for most people, you know, most people's follicles are normally quite normal, or if they're growing behind, they kind of catch up, like I did in my first IVF. I think it's fairly unusual to be stimmed that much towards the end. Okay. Yeah. So so basically, I had my collection, but. Um, had my own collection and that was lovely very different private experience you get your own room um, you know you go under sedation um, I was a bit worried about sedation actually because I, d- I didn't feel it they started putting in the sedation they were like are you feeling it and I said no so they wanged in a load of extra sedation so um, this time when I came round um, I, I just I remember not being able to speak properly Wow. So, okay. I was like, you were just saying, like, you weren't, you were trying to talk, but you just weren't saying any real words. <laughs> and I remember kind of trying to fight it. Like, I didn't want to wake up. I was like, no, stop trying to wake me up. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, immediately after I felt okay. Um, but I got put on a lot of, uh, on, um, so I'm, I'm on a cocktail of drugs basically so I'm on um, two cyclogest which are two um, progesterone pessaries mm-hmm. um, I'm on an, two estrogen pills which is Prognova 
Okay. I'm on this one tablet and I don't know what it does, but I think it helps stop from stop OHSS, which is, oh God, it's this weird name called cabageline or something. It's just another pill. It makes me feel really tired. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'm on um, two injections. I'm on a progesterone injection and I'm on a um, blood thinner injection. Um, again, just to stop OHSS, I think. Um, and those two injections are really painful. <laughs> <laughs> and I have got the most bruised stomach. Like, I, I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know if it's Tom's, like, really not good at putting these ones in or, like, I have to properly ice, like, and I have to lean Aww. against the wall. And um, when he injects me, there's a lot of expletives. Like, I'm, like, <laughs> he was like, you can't be doing like the screaming because the neighbors are going to think that like I'm beating you up but it's, it's just a whole different injection ball game so okay. yeah so I was on these injections I'm on, on all that um we you grow your your embryos to day five so your embryologist will ring you to um tell you about how they're grading your embryos mm-hmm. um and those grades like really change from say day two to day five. So you just got to kind of hang in there. So the first thing, the first milestone that you pass off to your egg collection is, um, you know, how many mature eggs did you get mm-hmm. um, out of your follicles? Like your, sorry, out of your eggs retrieved, how many mature eggs did you get? Mm-hmm. Um, then it's, you know, how many of those eggs fertilized? Um, so I had a, and I've talked about this before, but I had a procedure called ICSI which is essentially where they inject the sperm into the egg mm-hmm. because um, because Tom's sperm's a little slow and, you know, we want to give him a little bit of extra help. Um, so you yeah. find out how many um, fertilised from that procedure. Mm-hmm. And then you have to, um, yeah, kind of wait. once You're, you're kind of gunning for your fertilised embryos and it it's quite normal it's quite normal to lose quite a few through that process okay so I think my first cycle we had 21 eggs we had 15 mature um we had 13 fertilized which is still a really good number Mm -hmm. um but it's very you know it's very common to lose more than that I think or yeah you know um no, no it totally depends per person yeah um so you're kind of holding your breath on that stage a little bit and then you get your fertilized um fertilized eggs your embryos now and you're waiting to hear from the embryologist as to to kind of how they're growing so in the nhs they they would just ring you up and say we've got you know out of the 13 we have seven seven or so growing really well um, and we're just keeping an eye on them. Okay. And then they might bring you on day three. Um, and I have to say, NHS were pretty good. Like they rang me every morning uh, at a certain time. Um, and they, yeah, they were, they, they were pretty good. Um, and they, you know, and every day it might be like a couple of dropped out of the running or maybe some that were slower have, have started to develop um, faster. So, you know, day two and day three doesn't really tell you very much. Okay. Um, and then what what you're looking for 
is hopefully your some of your embryos um, will get to day five mm-hmm. but some of them might really be better kind of going stopping at day three and then you might have a transfer at day three okay so it just um, depends yeah it just depends um so if you if you do get your embryos to day five um then they're called blastocysts okay I can't remember, yeah i can't remember what they're called at day three um so it can be quite a nerve-wracking time getting those updates. Mm. And then they grade them either on day three or grade them on day five, depending on how they're growing. Yeah. So there's a lot There's a lot in the process. Yeah. And so this time you had some really good grade embryos or blastocysts. Yeah, I did. So last time like we talked about it, didn't we? Like, I, I, you know, we had kind of average to good quality Um which we weren't too worried about, but mm-hmm. it would have been nicer to see. I didn't get any A's or any fives, which are kind of like the top, the top kind of numbers and letters. Um, and this time around, like as you'll know, with um, talking with Alison in one of our podcasts, who's a nutritionist, I definitely focus a lot more on my diet. And um, yeah, it's funny because we had the same results this cycle as we had last cycle. So we had the same number of blastocysts um but they were they were much better grades yeah and that is odd for being a year older um yeah it's brilliant yeah so I, I have to say yeah I have put that down definitely to to diet it's amazing Tash really good yeah. and I know I've been messaging you all week haven't I because yeah <laughs> I'm not trying to be smug but it's like I wanted to to give people you know give people some hope because I'm so surprised that even though I'm a year older, I'm getting better quality eggs because mm. I've taken more control of of my diet. I, I really do believe that is kind of a contributing factor. And I found that I have in the past been a bit of a diet skeptic. So kind of thinking, oh, you're going to get the grades that you get because, you know, that's your genes and that's, you know, your AMH and things like that. Um, but actually you know, it's nice to see that you can take, you know, have some sort of control over, over that process. And and my AMH has dropped massively from last year. Um, And AMH is that kind of signal of, of how, how much, how many eggs you have left in your ovarian reserve and, and can be an indicator of, of, you know, how many you're going to get and all that, all that. And we had, um, like I said, in my first round of IVF, we had 15 mature eggs. And this round, we had 15 mature eggs as well. So, you know, I think, yeah, I'm just I'm just now this massive diet evangelist. I just, <laughs> I'm so happy. Tasha, Tasha learns diet is important in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know it isn't very 101, but I, I don't know. I can't explain it to you. Like, I just hope that that gives people some hope, you know? Yeah, you can't improve your grades. Like I just kept thinking, well, second IVF, we're not going to get as good results. Mm, Which is it's really good. It's really great. So I'm very happy. Um, So you're in the two week wait, but the two week wait isn't always actually two weeks, is it? No, it's less. It's less. Mm -hmm. Um, Not for everyone, but for for me, it's like I think it was nine days. Okay, so that's because you've got your five day blastocysts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that okay. means that you can essentially what you want to make is fifteen days. So if you take five plus nine, sorry, not fifteen days, fourteen days, which is kind of the two weeks. Mm-hmm. So you get your five 
day of blastocyst and then nine days waiting. Well, I suppose if you think your two week wait really starts from when you're from your, the day of your egg collection. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And tell me, um, are you going to test early? Um, <laughs> I'm literally like I'm. I'm literally been talking so long so that I'm not. I'm like not reaching for my pregnancy <laughs> test. Yeah. Um, I'm going to leave it as long as possible. Okay. Um, I change my mind every day, to be honest. Yeah. Um, like Tom's very chill, so he's just like do whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Um, we do have a re- first response kit, which allows you to potentially test six days early. So um, I don't know. I don't think that they're always. There's a couple of things you need to be careful of. So there's if you have a trigger shot um, to release your eggs into your follicles, um, which is part of the IVS process. So 36 hours before you have your egg collection, you'll have a trigger shot. Um and as I mentioned, that's that's to get your eggs into your follicles. Then during the egg collection, the doctors can go in and they can collect um, those eggs. That trigger shot has something called HCG in it, which mm-hmm. is the pregnancy hormone. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you do a pregnancy test too early, you might get a false positive because you might it might be measuring the trigger shot in your blood. Mm. Um so you just have to be a bit careful. It says it takes about two weeks to get that trigger shot out of your, your blood system, but it might take longer. You know, you just, I I really wouldn't want a false positive mm. um, or a false negative for that, for that information. You kind of want your results to be what they are. So, yeah, I I do want to test. Um, I've hidden them. Okay. So <laughs> I, I did ask Tom to hide them, but he said no. <laughs> yeah and, and like in a funny way just before we started recording I said are you going to test you like no I'm not going to test <laughs> you're like I've had to hide them <laughs> yeah, yeah um okay yeah so we'll see yeah we'll see okay. and yes but it's kind of exciting um to be honest I don't have any symptoms um other than it's difficult right because I'm so mad so I reckon I have some symptoms from meds which is like constipation Mm-hmm. Um, some headaches you know um nausea oh god nausea has been so so bad uh, but I get there's kind of I know how my body reacts to progesterone and I think it's just I'm on a lot of progesterone at the moment So what we're going to do is um, we're going to take a short break to end series one. Um, And so Tash, you'll be able to come back and tell um, our listeners about uh, whatever result that you have um, when we restart um, in a few weeks time. So now our favorite moment of the podcast is positive moment of the week. Tasha, what do you have? Okay. um, So my positive moment I just oh I'm just gonna come back to the diet thing and I like, okay come back because I think it's such a positive thing for everyone you know like, yeah although I have to be honest like I've been eating terribly in this two-week wait <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I definitely had a takeaway yesterday um uh yeah I just think it's just so nice to to actually believe that you can get a bit of control back over yeah but Tasha I have to make fun of you because like 
how how has it taken you now? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's like you saw the light. Um, welcome to the the world. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, but, I mean, I, you know why? It's because like my family. I, I'm gonna be honest. It's because my family like eat terribly, and my sister just got pregnant. Like that you know mm-hmm. um my mum has always eaten terribly and she got accident um, accidentally pregnant on the pill when she was like 38 um you know it just I've always kind of had this ingrained like you know it will happen or it won't happen yeah I just I don't know I just I've always like my my mum's like oh fuck it have you know have that dirty Indian curry because it's not going to make the least bit of difference mm. um and I'm not saying that it was like I thought that I would get, I would be really lucky. Um, I, I didn't know whether like my body was, you know, good five years or bad five years. I just, I just kind of was like, I'm, I'm where I'm at and that's, that's it. And, yeah. I, and, and you and I both know loads of people who have got pregnant who could drink us under the table whilst they were trying to conceive. Yeah, um, that's true, smoking. yeah and you know doing all sorts of things so I don't know like I, I just I don't believe that anymore <laughs> I do yeah. believe that it has a massive impact on your quality yeah well I guess the thing is like though you know lots of people you know their bodies function in different ways that's the thing everyone is so unique and I think when you're preparing yourself for pregnancy you know either through IVF or not it's really good to be sensible with your eating but when you are deliberately going out of your way to get pregnant it makes sense to be really careful about what you put into your body doesn't it yeah and I think you know and you and I know it's so boring as well yeah Yeah, so it's it's so so boring yeah it's just nice and I just wanted to share with everyone that you know keep going if you're you're specifically eating fish and you don't like it <laughs> you know you yeah. know drinking like three glasses of milk a day <laughs> you know just whatever you're doing that you don't particularly enjoy before this I, I do think it's worth it no and I think actually you know Tash this is good for me to hear right now because uh, Alex and I have been so so careful but I actually mm. am going to have a couple of glasses of rosé today because I think it's really, really important to monitor what you eat and to, and drink. But it also, after the week I've had, I'm just going to have yeah. a couple of glasses yeah, of wine because I think it's good to be kind to yourself too. Yeah, 100%. And like I've learned little coping mechanisms as well. So like I will, um, if I go to friends and they have wine, I will take, like I won't have my own glass. So I will basically like sip from a friend's glass <laughs> it's really weird <laughs> only if they let me right but um I, like I can't not have any wine yeah I won't have my own glass of wine so I'll just I say your friends love you Tash and I have a sip yeah but I'm not gonna yeah and it almost feels like you are having wine but you're definitely not so you know <laughs> like there's coping mechanisms yeah um so my positive moment of the week is a good one um so I I have been watching lots of telly in lockdown. Mm-hmm. I know lockdown's eased a little bit, but um, I started watching a show called The Secrets She Keeps, which is really stressful about two pregnant women. Um, and not it's not stressful because I'm not pregnant. It's just like a kind of a thriller. And yeah. Alex and I were watching it. It was like absolutely gripping and scary and everything. And then um, when I finished, Alex was like, oh, I've got a show for you to watch. It's called The Detectorists. And... Um, 
I watched eight episodes in a row and it's basically like the most calming, wonderful show about two people who are, um, they use like metal detectors to detect metal, like (laughs) in the English countryside. And it's quite funny. It's really sweet. It's really gentle. And like, I met my boss yesterday and I was telling her and she was like, yeah, I mean, I think that came out in 2015. (laughs) It's like, it's like you discovering diet. Like I've discovered detectorists, like. But oh, it, yeah. I watched it and it put me at ease. It was like just yeah, um, because I said the same thing to Tom because all the you know everything on Netflix is either like dark or sad or yeah, music yeah. terrible, like or it's you know there's just nothing that or it's like a thriller or it's just like, oh god I just can't I can't watch any of it anymore. Yeah, so please watch the Detectorists. Maybe don't binge one whole series in one sitting like I did. Save it. Save it. Oh, sorry. There's three series because it's not new. I'm like bringing you the oldest oh, news ever. It. Yeah, but um, it's really relaxing. And I think... Is it as uh, good as Escape to the Chateau? It's different because, you know, for me, Escape to the Chateau can be quite stressful. <laughs> <laughs> if they've got a deadline, they want to get their work done. I'm like, will it happen? Will it not? Will they get the right materials? Um, but yeah, like it's that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But it's a kind of a life comedy. It's gentle. You know, okay. you're going to you're going to enjoy it. There's also, I'm just going to drop this one in, The Indian Matchmaker. Okay. Tom and I binge watched this the other day after a couple of recommendations from friends yeah and it is just brilliant so I'm a quarter Burmese my grandparents were both British Burmese Burm- Burmese to be part of India so um it basically was like seeing my grandparents on tv um, <laughs> <laughs> like, um but it, it's just oh it's just fascinating like go okay. and watch the Indian Matchmaker. is it on Netflix yeah will it relax me yeah yeah it will okay. it's not stressful okay Okay. Yeah. Okay, I will do. <laughs> Thank you. It's kind of like if you imagine first dates, but in an Indian setting. setting. Okay. And um, like obviously, I just like any good news, like romantic stories. So yeah, for sure. Um, it's like, oh yeah, they're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> As we mentioned, guys, we're going to be taking a little bit of pause over the summer, um, and trying to just recoup a little bit from some of the everything the whirlwind that has been going on recently um so if any of you are going through your cycles or you're in a waiting pattern um you know really good luck to you and uh we will be thinking about all of you guys please do go back to some of the episodes and um listen to those if they bring you any strength definitely think there's a couple of really good ones in there i hope this has been useful but really looking forward to seeing you guys in um what six weeks yeah hopefully yeah and hopefully we might have some good news then you never know never know